0: And a very good evening to all of you. Lovely to see you uh, all tonight. Just quickly to uh, draw your attention as we begin, there should be a little um, leaflet about the giving stuff that we we're talking about in your, uh, on your seat or nearby. Uh, do please take that away. Um, we've thought very carefully just about how to present what's going on. And there is there, on the inside, on the left, there's just a kind of summary of what every £10 uh, given to Christchurch, where that goes. I hope you'd be really encouraged by that, that all the money that is given here uh, goes to really great things. And then on the other inside page, is just a, and so it's an encouragement. that If a lot of us get involved financially, then actually that makes uh, a lot of difference. And on the back, uh, there are just some of the easiest uh, ways uh, to give uh, to our church. So do please uh, take those away and uh, think about and, and pray about uh, what God is calling uh, you to. So in, in my experience, um, you know, giving is demanding because it's literally taking money out of our pockets that we might be spending on one thing and saying we want to use it uh, for the life of the church and for the ministry that we're called to. And that, that will always be hard. And if, if there was one thing that I'd love to pass on, it's that however uh, wealthy you are at the moment uh, it's always easy to believe that if you were just a little bit more wealthy then you could really give uh, to God's work and what I've discovered is that uh, I just need to give what from what I've got right now and if I get wealthier in the future then that's great I can give some more uh, but uh, there's just something beautiful about giving out of what we have and maybe saying there are some things that I'll do without, some things that I'll give up in order to see uh, Christian gospel ministry growing in the place that we are so I really encourage you uh, to think about that but we are here to talk about Matthew 7 which is just a fantastic uh, passage and uh, we're going to be uh, talking about one of our culture's favorite things Uh, And uh, I'll explain a bit more about that in a moment. Uh, But this chapter, chapter 7, carries on uh, from where we've been before. We've had a whole lot of, in a sense, uh, Jesus warning us and saying, well, if you want to live a kind of a life that is centered on me, if you want to live a life of devotion to God, then there there are some great things that you can do There are also some things that you can avoid, and he gives us uh, lots of different things to avoid. And uh, the the one that we're looking at tonight is not to judge others, and we'll try and look at that in a bit more detail. I'd like to begin just by just by airing with you the question: Well, what does Jesus mean when he says, uh, "Do not judge"? And I think I'd like to clarify that by sharing two things that I think this doesn't mean. And then one thing that I think it does mean, and of the two things, it doesn't mean the first one is, Jesus is not talking about legal positions of responsibility here. He's not saying don't be a judge, don't be a magistrate, or don't become somebody who in their professional life has to make decisions about people and situations. In in today's world, lots of us who are in jobs having to make decisions and judgments about people and about situations. And it's absolutely right uh, that we do that and that we bring our, hell, our whole selves into that. So Jesus isn't saying, don't put yourself in a position where you have to make judgments about other people. So that's, he's not saying that. Neither is he saying, don't make judgments in your life about values, about what's right and what's wrong, what's good or what's bad. He's not saying that. Every day, there are many occasions where we just have to make sometimes really quick calls, sometimes slower calls about what's right. Do I get involved in this conversation or don't I? What do I do with my money? Uh, What do I do uh, when uh, I've fallen out with somebody? there There are lots of different occasions in which we have to make judgments about what to do and how to behave and how to be. And the Bible gives us great resources uh, to do this, wisdom and understanding. As a church community, we believe it's really important to be plugged in and accountable to some other people so that we can talk to them and and share and say, well, you know, what do you think is best in this situation? Because we're so aware that, you know, deciding things about ethics and values, you can't just do that from a textbook. You have to do it with real people. In real time so Jesus is not saying don't make value judgments just go through life anything goes doesn't matter whatsoever so what does he mean I think we have a really useful word in English that helps us unpack what that means and I think what Jesus is saying primarily is he's saying don't be judgmental so rather we might translate it in modern English rather than don't judge we would say, do not be judgmental. Uh, Don't be uh, holier than thou. Don't be condescending in your attitudes. Don't be stuck up. Don't be self-righteous. Don't be always criticizing other people. Now, of course, you all know that we are part of a culture that absolutely 100% agrees with Jesus on this issue and that would see uh, being judgmental as a bad thing. Maybe one of the worst things uh, to be is judgmental. Uh, the interesting thing is that at exactly the same time, we as a culture have grown far more judgmental. So we, at the same time, we both said, being judgmental is a terrible thing, but we have also at the same time become far more judgmental. We've grown hyper aware of how other people are and how judgy uh, some people are. Young people think old people are judgmental. Old people think young people are judgmental. Everybody thinks middle-aged people are judgmental. That's just the way it is. In our culture, we have a phrase now that we never had when I was a kid, and the phrase now is to call somebody out. And everybody's calling somebody out some other time. I wouldn't have understood what that was um, 30 years ago. The irony is, of course, that our social media habits are making many of us more judgmental. And many of us, through our social media habits, are inviting others constantly to be judgmental about us. I, I have to say, I just don't understand why we would do that, why we would put ourselves in that situation. It seems to me is that many of us here have, have some kind of skin allergy or eczema, and it seems like um, somebody who's got some skin allergies, and they say, Hey, guess what? I, f- I found this new bed, and the bed is made out of stinging nettles, and itching powder, and horsehair, And I'm just going to sleep so well in my new bed. And you're thinking, uh-uh, no, you're not. You're just going to be one solid block of itch. And yet, we, we live in this kind of culture in which we are saturated with ways in which we offer up ourselves to be judged and found wanting, and that leaves us devastated, and also when we are learning constantly to form instant opinions about other people by a picture or a few words or sentences. And we we literally are retraining our minds constantly uh, to form instant snap, and almost certainly superficial, shallow, and wrong judgments of other people. So we live in a society which is completely confused, because on the one hand, it's a society that totally agrees with Jesus, that being judgmental is not a good thing, and yet we are becoming, day by day, ever more judgmental. So I want to explore with you why Jesus says we shouldn't be judgmental, because he certainly does. And he says, don't judge, or you too will be judged. just want to unpack that a little bit. I think the first thing he's saying is that if, if we are judgmental as people, and this, in a sense, is entirely obvious, if we are judgmental, then what we're doing is we're creating a circle of backbiting and viciousness and harshness. And I don't need to tell you that because you know that if if someone has really laid into you uh, or you've overheard them just ripping you apart, then the next time that person's name comes up in conversation, you're not gonna speak well of them. It's very unlikely. You're gonna want to get your own back. You're gonna want to, in a sense, destroy them as you have experienced them uh, destroying you. It will be much harder for other people to speak well of you if you are trash talking people all the time. So in part, this is an appeal to self-interest from Jesus. He's saying, don't, don't be judgmental because all that's happened is that your harsh judgy words are gonna come back and slap you in the face. Because if you give it out to other people, uh, then you will get it back. But I think there's a deeper sense too in which Jesus is saying in God's world, in God's world where God is a perfect judge who sees all, knows all, you know, there's no fooling God. There's no fooling God. And so we are destroying people and pulling them down with our words. That is not something that God can bless. Jesus then helps us to see what he's describing with the very very vivid picture that he uses in verses 3 to 5 of chapter 7 pointing out that that, that so then the picture is this that imagine a someone and they point out that someone else has a speck of dust a tiny little speck of dust in their eye and that person who's doing the pointing out literally has a whole plank sticking out of their own eye. And to me, one of the reasons I love this is because it feels very personal to Jesus the carpenter. That, that was Jesus' day job until he was about 29 or 30. He was a carpenter. So, I, Of course, I don't know, but I, I have this lovely sense that maybe this image grew up uh, in Jesus's boyhood, when him and Joseph are working in the workshop, and one of them gets a speck of dust in their eye and, and goes over, and the other one helps them to take it out. That, that's when it says that's where this image began. Uh, it's very kind of close to Jesus' own lived existence, and that image is playful, it's, it's comic, it's absurd. Of course, it's impossible. But it is an excellent image of someone who's judgmental, someone who zeroes in on the minor faults of other people, criticizing them, pulling them down, ripping them apart, and yet being completely blind or oblivious to their own failings. So it's just a really powerful picture of what happens with judgmental people, that they just go on and on and on and on about the faults of other people, and they don't realize at their own faults. Now the most important thing I want to say tonight is this. Jesus gives us this image as one we need to apply directly to ourselves. Okay. Jesus gives this image to us as an image that we need to apply directly to ourselves. See, because what we could do at this point is that each of us could go, okay, I'm going to list the five biggest hypocrites that I'm aware of. You know, you could choose some politicians, you could choose some celebrities, you could choose some leaders, many of you might choose your parents because you've got to that age and stage. We could all list people that we are aware as being hypocrites. They're, They're going on at us about tiny little things, but man, they've got these big problems themselves. That is not why Jesus gave us this image. Jesus gave us this image to realize the danger that each of us faces of being the person who is judgmental and who does not is not willing to accept or see that they have failings, that they are, they do things wrong, they speak wrong, they do wrong. That's why Jesus gives us this image. And so it's absolutely right that we pause tonight and think through at the major faults in ourselves that we are hiding when we find and give time to being annoyed or knocked or cheesed off with other people. That's the point of what Jesus is saying here. Of course, he's, he is also saying to be on the receiving end of judgmental and harsh words is an uncomfortable and an unhealthy thing. course he's saying that. But primarily, this comes as a challenge to us. Now, How do I hide my own failings by picking out the faults of others? It's still okay, still okay to give fair-minded, Criticism and feedback and challenge to other people. Being a Christian doesn't mean that you lie to other people and say everything is great or you, you pretend that everybody's wonderful. As Christians, we, we have, a, we have a, an idea, a doctrine that is, that is all about the fact that all of us, every single one of us, is in the Bible's words fallen, imperfect. So it comes as no surprise to us that we all have faults. We all have things that we get very, very wrong indeed. Now, at this stage, we want to say, well, well done, Jesus. You know, you have helped us name something that is really destructive. And every home, every community, every school, every uh, workplace would be way better if people were less judgy, it was less backbiting, there was more thought, more humility, more generosity of spirit. Now, I, I love spending time with people who are generously hearted. And you all know the kind of people I mean. It's not that they, they, they're not aware of the faults of other people, but they're always willing to speak well of them, to speak respectfully with them, even the people that they disagree with. And I, I, so I long that we would be part of that kind of community. But I'd like to end uh, with verse 6, which in one sense uh, presents us with a bit of a problem. Uh, because uh, Jesus, in verse 6, starts calling people, first, dogs, which is bad enough, and then secondly, pigs. And he doesn't seem, he's not been complimentary, and it doesn't even seem that he's being playful as he was earlier. So isn't that a bit judgy of Jesus? having just talked about the danger of being judgy, then to start calling people pigs and dogs, what is going on? This verse actually helps us to be friends to those who have little or no personal faith, and it reminds us how we came to faith ourselves. So I want you first to think about Jesus' example. Jesus did not give up on people. In fact, sticking with people particularly people that were classed as no-hopers or who were given up on by other people. That was his, one of his superpowers. That was his specialized subject, not giving up on people. So we can't look at uh, this verse. If you remember, it says, don't give dogs what is liquid, don't throw your pearls to pigs. We can't look at that verse and say, well, that's clear. That means what we can do is we can write people off who won't accept what we have to say about God. And we can simply say, you're not listening, you're clearly an idiot, and so I'm gonna move on. I'm not gonna share uh, the beautiful things of God that I know uh, with you. Jesus never did that, so we shouldn't either. Secondly, we're aware that Jesus was unafraid to confront and to challenge people. He. He loved people, he stuck with them, he never wrote them off, but he did challenge them uh, to turn their lives around and to live differently. And Jesus did let people walk away. The most famous of those is the, the rich young man, the guy that comes up to Jesus and he's, he's like, obviously gifted and he's wealthy and he's a kind of really attractive personality and asks Jesus what he needs to do to have eternal life. And when Jesus spells out that for him, for that man, that's going to be involving going, selling everything that he has, giving his money away to the poor, and coming to follow Jesus, the guy can't do it. And Jesus doesn't say, well, okay, it can be this. A walk away. And so did, Jesus did let people walk away. He was always making judgments about people and about situations, but he wasn't judgmental about them. It was like a a foundation of love and concern on which he made those decisions. So in this little part of Matthew 7, Jesus starts by saying, don't be judgmental. Then he goes on to say, be particularly alive to the danger of judgmentalism, of being nitpicking, and ignoring our own faults. And now, in this last verse, he helps us to work out how to talk about the gospel with people who are outside of the faith at the moment. And Jesus' point is this. He says, well, if you, if you have... If, in those days, um, dogs weren't pets. And it's the same in some cultures in the world today. The, the dogs weren't pets that sat on your sofa and watched telly with you. Or as some of my friends have, you know, that slept in your bed. Don't know if there's any of those here. But, you know, dogs were in packs who would sort of roam around the streets picking up any scraps they could. And Jesus says, well, you know, in our culture, we wouldn't, you wouldn't take re- something that's really, really valuable and feed them to bands of marauding dogs, and nor would you take a beautiful string of pearls and feed them to a pig. No pig is going to say when they see a bunch of pearls in their feeding trough, oh, what a beautiful set of pearls. Probably the nicest set of pearls I've had today. It's stopped me being hungry. I'm just gonna sit and look at these beautiful pearls. The pig's gonna be cross, thinking, why am I being wound up like this? This is not right, I don't eat pearls, I eat food. They're just going to be infuriated. Now, each of us here who's who's become a Christian, that is a miracle to become a Christian. However it's happened, whether it's happened slowly over years of patient love and encouragement for others, whether it's come more quickly, for each of us here who's a Christian, that is a miracle. God's grace has broken in. We have started to move from darkness into light. Now, no doubt for many of us here, there have been many Christians along the way who've who've really helped with that, who've been patient with us and gracious with us. They've known when to speak and they've known when to shut up. They've known when to share and they've known when to listen. They've known when to challenge and they've known just when to stay quiet. A lot of the time they've got it right, some of the time they've got it wrong. But many of us here would be able to tell stories of Christians who've been thoughtful and listening and understanding. And then at the right time, they've been bold in in urging us to move on a step uh, towards God. And that's what we need to become. We're not to be judgmental about those who are outside the kingdom. Now, I don't think many of you are but we're just to watch that particular part of ourselves that we don't start to get smug once we become a Christian and say, oh man, I've arrived. We stop making it being something that God did and we start to think of it as something that makes us better or cleverer or smarter or wiser or nicer than other people. We're not to be judgmental of those who have little or no faith. Instead, we are to judge them well, but not to be judgmental. And so therefore, we avoid winding them up. We avoid making them more hostile to the gospel of Jesus. We're careful about how and when we speak to God, of God to them. And so that will balance listening, but also then appropriately sharing what we've experienced and what we know. That will involve that mixture of patience, that we're not trying to race people through. We don't see ourselves as salespeople that are trying to sort of manipulate or lever people into the kingdom. We're patient, we realize that God works at different speeds than we do. And we're humble. So that whenever we're sharing faith, we're doing it out of a sense of generosity and humility and wanting others to experience what we've had rather than simply trying to force all of our opinions on them because that is another kind of judgmentalism. So the the big picture about tonight is don't be judgmental. And the the first reason about not being judgmental is that sense that actually it rebounds on us and it rebounds on all of us. So whatever community we are in, if we are in a community and if our active part in that is to tear people down and to rip them to shreds by what we say, that is gonna be a toxic community. And nobody wants to be part of a toxic community. Jesus then helps us to understand that more specifically to us by this beautiful image of the idiot who's so stupid that they're going around pointing specks of dust in other people's eyes and ignoring the plank or the log in their own, reminding us of the danger of hypocrisy when it comes to being judgmental. That you know, We just see these tiny faults in others. We forget the faults that are much more important in our own lives. And Jesus finishes by just helping us to be really gracious and careful in the language that we use and the words that we use and the attitudes that we bring to those who are outside the faith. So they don't get put off the gospel or wound up by us being insensitive and judgmental as Christians. Let's pray. Our loving God, we thank you for... What you teach us in, our, in your word. Lord, we confess that we find it unbelievably easy to sit in judgment on other people, to write them off, to magnify their faults, and to minimize our own. We are sorry. We are sorry. For the hurt and the confusion that this causes we pray loving God help us to see ourselves as we are sinners in need of your grace help us to celebrate the miracle that it is to be your children saved by grace brought into the light and Lord help us as we share that hope with others, that we would do so respectfully and gently, boldly when we need to. But Lord, may others hear from us words that are right and appropriate and that help them come towards you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.